Welcome back to the Alternate Shot Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Matt. Double pod tonight, Matt. The boys are not with us, but uh, we got a lot on the uh, the agenda for you for a uh, for sort of a, a short week here. Yeah. At what point do we stop saying the boys aren't with us? This might just be this might just be our ship now. Uh, no, there's uh, there's not a ton, but no. the the one topic is a big topic. We'll we'll do a quick spin in news, but then we'll get into. The Tour Championship. Sounds the last good. event of the year. It's the biggest one. There's 10 million bucks on the line. There's lots to talk about. Lots on the line. Let's get into it. So, Matt, a weekend without golf. It uh, it didn't. It felt a little weird. You know, I had some friends who were like, well, I was down at a wedding uh, this past weekend in uh, in Pittsburgh and uh, with some pals who, uh, who you know, you've played golf with in the past. And yep. we kind of defaulted to this. You know, there's some downtime during the day before the wedding. And like the guys who weren't in the wedding, we were kind of hanging out and saying, like, let's put the golf on. There's no golf. No, no PGA Tour golf, at least. But um, there is, as you mentioned, a lot, uh, a lot on the line here this week as we head into the Tour Championship. Um, any initial thoughts? Well, we have two huge weeks in golf, so maybe the break was, you know, necessary to let everyone catch their breath and, you know, see their friend. Jesus. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> 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 Secondhand jewel. I don't know how I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of like method that, um, you know, that the TV announcers do or, or you know, if you're Joe Buck or something and you just simply can't have that happen to you on, on national television. It's pretty amazing that, that it doesn't happen more often. Just us being you know humans and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. I was at a wedding once. I don't know if I told you this where the priest was giving the um, the the sermon, if you call it that, like we we're talking about the couple and uh, <laughs> the middle of it, he gets that exactly what happened to you, except he couldn't, he couldn't like get it to go away. And he actually left the stage <laughs> or the stage, the altar with the two, the couple sitting there kind of like looking at each other, looking at everyone. Everyone starts laughing kind of, and he literally was gone for about 45 seconds, which felt like, you know, an hour, but he did come back and the wedding went on. Uh, <laughs> without a hitch. Uh, you two will be great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all be seated. <laughs> Golf. Okay. Where were we? Yeah, so the week off, I think, uh, you know, it was a bummer. Um, it gave us things to, it gave us time to do other things, uh, including kind of rest up and mentally prepare for two of the biggest weeks that we have. We have the Tour Championship where, you know, obviously there's a lot of money to be won there. The FedEx Cup, tons and tons of money to be won there. And then the Ryder Cup. You got your Ryder Cup gear on. Um, we're all thinking about it. It's, you know, less than two weeks now. It's exciting time. Mm -hmm. So good for us to kind of charge our batteries and, you know, go to the weddings that are scheduled and, and be good friends and walk around. I actually saw Scotty and Dave, nice, um, you know, nice. off off menu this weekend for, <laughs> for a hot minute, but did see them. So, you know, good to like reconnect with 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 the ones in your life that you care about. Um, <laughs> the ones you don't see very often. Exactly. Like Sangmoon Bay. So we're going to do some news here and Sangmoon Bay is back. He's uh, back. Sangmoon Bay. We've talked about before uh, to give him some commendation for the fact that he, you know, was a guy with a couple tour wins. He was playing on the President's Cup. He was up to like 25th, 26th in the world at one point. And then in South Korea, you have a two-year military obligation um, and he had to go do it. And he tried to get it extended and tried to not like get out of it, but basically say like, yeah, I'll do it, but like not yet. Mm -hmm. um, lost that appeal and was gone for two years. So he came back. He's been on the tour all year, kind of on some exemptions. Um, but the rust is obvious. He, yeah. you know, when you're hanging out near the DMZ, you're not going to be, <laughs> no. you know, rolling putts every day. So he, he had a tough year. He only had one top 25 and he lost his card. So that was that. Uh, these things happen. So he's taken the web.com route and, you know, kind of just jumped right into it. And he won this week at the, uh, 
the Albertsons Boise Open, the Masters of Idaho. <laughs> but he got his tour card back for 2019, which is great. Uh, he's now the current money leader on the web.com tour, uh, which if he holds that status, it'll have like a full exempt status on the tour next year to have a spot at the players. So good to have him back. You know, I think it takes mm-hmm. guys uh, who spend a lot of time away from the game, a little bit of time to kind of shake the rust off, get the feeling of playing well and getting a win again. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see more of of Sangmoon Bay because he he was a fun guy to watch, and you Definitely. know these Presidents Cup guys matter. And I think it's you know a noble thing that he did, but it was just too bad that it just had to happen like in the middle of his career. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, to your point, I mean, it's incredible to see a guy like that to go back to his home country to serve that country in the military. I know it's an obligation for them. Everybody has to do it. And there were some conversations as to whether he would get a exemption because obviously leaving in that in the prime of your career can have well, it can have career ending potentially implications because to your point, one, the field just continues to get uh, harder to beat. But you, you you know you have sort of uh, lightning in a bottle for a bit. You're playing really well, and then all of a sudden you got to hang it up for two years, and you can't really compete. You can't really play at that level. All you don't know what's going to come back. You don't know where your game's going to be when you've completed your service. So, tip of the cap to him. It's incredible. It's a really cool story. As you mentioned, he's a fun guy to watch. I remember watching him in the Presidents Cup. I think he had that. Uh, was he? He had that chunked chip shot. He did, and that was yeah. like really hard. Sort of was to like watch the last. The time. Right, right, right. So great story. It was like to have the him last back. thing he did. Before it was. He left. So, so look, uh, that's in the past. As is his service, he can focus now on um, on the PGA Tour. He's got obviously he, he's returned to the tour, and hopefully he gets that full exemption and continues to um, to play well. So tip of the cap to Sang Moon Bay. Welcome back. Absolutely, we're. Good to see one of the good guys do well. All right. Other news. Um, so the FedEx Cup comes to its conclusion. The playoffs come to their conclusion this week in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in this week, before the golf, but after we record, they're going to announce some changes to the FedEx Cup. Um, they're doing what we have long talked about doing, which is changing it because the system today is obviously imperfect. Um, reading some of the articles, I didn't realize how many times they've kind of tweaked the format and yeah. done this and that. Um, I remember once upon a time, you know, when Bill Haas won, he didn't even know that he won until like someone told him. They were like, "Here's your trophy." Yeah. And he's like, "Cool." So like, who won the FedEx Cup? Like you too. And he was like, "Oh, like <laughs> rad, like cool, ten million bucks." <laughs> once upon a time, the ten million dollar prize was actually paid as a as a retirement annuity <laughs> instead of a wad of cash. And who else but people's champion Phil Mickelson said this bullshit, and we want cash on the table now. Um, So Phil, you know, sticking up for everybody, making it happen. So anyway, the changes they're going to do now are interesting. I want to get your thoughts on them. There's going to be a a, a separate bonus pool for winning the regular season points race. It's going to be something like $3 million that this year would have gone to Dustin Johnson. They would then reset the points at the start of the playoffs and then let the points leader basically start at Eastlake with a lead. So you would be something like 10 under par to start. It's like Bryson to be 10 under. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the people that cascade behind would be, you know, nine under, eight under, whatever. Yeah, Kind of like the Tour de France where you have, mm-hmm. you know, all right, I'm up a little bit. And then you go play your four rounds. And the idea is that whoever wins, whoever, you know, crosses the finish line first at that mm-hmm. point is the winner. And it would eliminate the, the, the situation that we had last year where Xander wins the tournament, JT wins the 10 million bucks, and there's like a split right. ceremony thing. I don't know. I don't know how much I like it. Uh, John Feinstein over at Golf Digest, he, he took a stab at, at what we haven't done and trying to fix it. He, he's kind of leaning on, you know, match play. Wouldn't it be cool for like $10 million 
mano a mano, you know, that could be fun. I think there's there's a lot of excitement around like Phil and Tiger that just two guys going to play heads up for this just like mountain of cash is what makes like game seven so exciting. Like right. I, I get the appeal. I think he's a little bit uh, loose with kind of the the problems that present itself by like how do you get right. a gallery of 50,000 people to follow one match around. Um, it's pretty shitty TV experience. I don't know how, you know, these new changes now, like I don't know how they're going to have to do like world golf ratings based on the fact that like Bryson teed off at 10 under. So like, how does that factor? So like the whole thing, like it's just, it's kind of a mess. And, and I feel like some of these like little mini half measures just make it worse. I mean, I, I, to the degree that we don't like the FedEx cup playoffs now, if Bryson teed off on Thursday, just like it randomly was 10 under par and they're like, Oh, and like tigers four over, you'd be like, the hell is that? Like, yeah, it kind of who's supposed to make up 14 like shots (laughs) or like, Let's well, just hand I think it to him. Like, what are we doing? The, the problem that they're facing here is that if you do have the points uh, allocation, so that this this last event matters to the point where if you win it, you win the whole thing. Um, you do have that situation where you can't have people sort of come from behind and win the event, but maybe they didn't have. Like, it, it's a weird situation. If you made it that one way, it would kind of defeat the purpose of of keeping it competitive for the prior events, right? Only people care about that final event. So, how do you incentivize people to to not just do the bare minimum to advance or advance and to your point, skip perhaps an event doesn't matter if qualified for the tour championship, who cares? This does remind me a little bit of how they've approached it in, uh, in racing. So like NASCAR and formula one, where you have a similar situation, where you have a lot of competitors competing against themselves in the track, right? But then how do you reward the player who uh, either qualifies well or, or the sort of the points leader? And they do that with, with polls, right? So they, you, you, you place in the polls either through qualifying or through points, and then you get, Start the race in first, all the way back through dead last. But that doesn't mean the guy in dead last can't win, except in Formula One, where the, the racing's gotten to a point where it's basically whoever starts in first, barring some sort of a technical problem, is going to win the race. And, it, mm-hmm. and it, made the, it made racing not as fun to watch. It was a foregone conclusion. So they actually ins- added a bunch of different things to, to racing that made it much harder to defend that front position. They changed the rules. They changed the way the cars were set up to make it more exciting. It's worked for them. Obviously, you can't do that in golf. Guys start and they're going to play. They're going to post their numbers. So how do you how do you keep people involved? I kind of like the idea of giving them sort of a points lead. I, I don't know that 10 under is is fair enough because to your point if you're starting at even and he's 10 under, it's, it's very hard for you to come back barring because the whole field again is in front of you, right? It's 10, nine, right. eight, seven, right? So you're not going to beat the field by 10. And if you do, <laughs> first of all, if you do, right, like, that's, yeah, what, that's like, what we're asking for. Right. But, but I do think, I do think it's a, it's interesting because it, it, it will make the event. Um, people, people really try hard to, to advance up the polls, right? So you don't have a situation where two weeks ago, people are skipping the event or they're just not taking it too seriously because they don't need to worry about it. But if that placement really matters and it can give you an advantage, you'll see everybody play in every playoff event and try to claw as many points as they can. So maybe that helps. Well, I think the problem here is rooted in the fact that they are trying to both acknowledge a year-long champion as well as, and, and confine that mm-hmm. crowning of the year-long champion in one event. And those two things inherently don't go together. Right. So you have, like in soccer in England, there are no playoffs. There are 38 matches, one home, one away against the other 19 teams in the league. The end of the year, you fucking add it up. And you go, you won. You came in second. You came in third. You came in 18th, 19th, 20th, and you guys go down and whatever. And like, that's it. There is no then like, okay, let's have a playoff on top of it. An argument about against, you know, people have about like, yeah. basketball. 
uh, is, well, the regular season doesn't matter at all because, you know, the good teams just go win the playoff series. Is So, like, now you have these season, like, games that don't matter. And so the problem was, well, no one's interested in going to, like, the John Deere. Mm-hmm. So we need to create a reward structure for people to go to the John Deere. Okay, they've done that. The FedEx got points. So people go. Some people go. And, you know, then the year ends. It goes, okay, like, DJ won. But now there's playoffs. So those points carry over, but then they don't because, you know, like Brooks Kepka, I mean, the, the height of lunacy here is Brooks Kepka won two majors. He's in seventh place. Yeah. So how dumb is that? Well, it's so, but uh, it, so again, it the, pro- it the problem though. though, like you either you need to pick something where you say the regular season is nothing more than a seeding mechanism to then have an event. Right. And you can have that event however you want it to be like true knockout playoffs or like do the structure that, you're, that they're proposing where it's like as a reward for all that you did, you start 10 up in this final event. Right. But what I think they're trying to do is like, here's a pool for the regular season. Then we're going to do these playoffs. We're going to keep whittling it down and build the drama. And then we're going to go to the final thing. And then like, I don't know. It's just that they need to pick a lane here well, and either have the Super Bowl where the 18-0 Patriots play the, you know, nine and seven Giants and it's zero zero and that's it. And the Giants are there because they won all their playoff matches or games um, or just don't have it. So I don't know. It, it just feels like they're trying to do too many things. And when you do try to do way too many things you end up doing nothing well and that feels a little bit like what's happening i think they should definitely add more points for the majors i agree with you it, it should be if you went maybe maybe a multiplier whereas if you win two majors or three majors in a year it's like a 1.5x multiplier and now all of a sudden you know you you win two majors should be worth a lot more than winning seven events on tour that year you know what i mean so they can do that, I think. But you do have to you do have to incentivize people to play the non-major events. Otherwise, people are only going to show up to the big ones, and you're not going to have as robust of a tour schedule. And I think some of the changes they made have had guys uh, have have has resulted in better fields at some of the traditionally kind of meh events because they're worth they're worth FedEx Cup points. And you know, if if you're I don't know floating around in fifteenth place, adding another tour stop might be a very important thing for you to do. And so therefore, I think that that incentivizes you know, the tour to have a little more competition throughout the year, which I think is the point of it. But you're right. I mean, you, you do want to you do want to balance it out in a situation where it's not like did the, one of the most spectacular golf performances we've seen in the last decade results in a guy being in eighth place and, you know, not out of the running, but like, you know what I mean? Like not rewarded in the way that you think you would have. Or well, you can, you can create rules to say, okay, Jordan Spieth, you have to play 25 times a year or you get like a fine and then actually say, all right, it's, it's not 25 anymore. It's 28 because we want people to go play at, you know, the John Deere. And if you don't, the fine is a million dollars or it's, you know, 15% of your winnings from that year. Just like something, make right. it like, make it real. And then that would obligate people to play in some of the, you know, the, the JV events, if you will, mm-hmm. Or just say, just make the tour championship. It's like its own standalone $10 million thing. I don't know. Like, so the, I, the playoffs are now adding no value to like the tour championship at Eastlake. The, the common fan is watching this going, whoever wins this thing gets 10 million bucks. And that's not what's happening. So let's make it simple. Whoever wins this thing gets $10 million. Right. Yeah, well, the, the problem is they're trying to make the playoffs as a whole, to your point, as a whole, a very rewarding and, ex- and uh, exciting experience. But if the last tournament is the only thing that matters, <laughs> then you do have guys skipping events. Then you have this weird sort of continuity problem with the, with the tournament. You have this 
it's a very difficult and complex system to follow and you don't really know who's in the lead. It does simplify things and say, look, you win this event, you win the whole thing, but kind of de-incentivizes players from like using the playoffs for what it should be. If it is sort of a survive and advance type of thing, then market it that way. Maybe make the cuts more pronounced. And to your point, the only way that match play would work is if you did cut it severely. The downside there is you cut one of the 10 favorite players on tour and you've just cut deeply into your audiences, right? Like if you cut Ricky, if Ricky doesn't make it to Eastlake, if Spieth didn't make it to Eastlake, if all of a sudden you have a situation where you're hurting your rating. So how do you keep all the players in there? How do you, well, if you did it, if you did it like tennis does, you'd have a three week long tournament, right? Like it's Yeah, but I think if you make to, if you make the the final event exciting enough, people are gonna tune in. I mean, people watch the final four even though Loyola's in it. You know, people yeah, people true. watch the Super Bowl or, or the the Stanley Cup or the World Series when it's small market teams because it's like st- now, is it the, like yes, you would obviously want to have your top sixteen people like banging it out all ten under par, like all trying to do something, but you lose, I think something valuable when every 15 seconds they're showing you here's the most up-to-date standings and you're like well wait a minute so someone just you know got a birdie four holes away that doesn't really matter for this but because they played really really well two events ago they are mm-hmm. higher than than Justin Tom- you know what I mean it's just it's just too confusing and if if I think if you were to say like all right what is the goal of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the goal of the tour championship it would be to reward the best player of the year and to create a structure that makes all of the events year long important. Okay, then do away with the like importance of one tour championship event at the end of the year and say, this is a year long thing. And yeah, you might have people bag it up, like like wrap it up early. Like Manchester right. City wins the title a month early and it's like a victory lap for them. And like, isn't this fun? And like, that's just part of it. Or you can say, Everything then either qualifies you or disqualifies you from the final tournament. And the final tournament is, you know, we're going to have the 125, we're going to have the 100, and then we're going to have the 60, top 60 people go to the tour championship. And if you're in the field and you win, you get 10 million bucks. And that way you could kind of, you could get rid of the floor of, well, Spieth didn't qualify this year or Phil didn't qualify, you know, last year or whatever. Like you would then get basically all of your pedigree people into the event and then just let them go, let them go do it. And yeah, you might get a, a quote unquote nobody, you know, to surprise everybody, but maybe that'd be a ton of fun. Look at this nobody just won $10 million like mm-hmm. off a of DJ and, you know, Rory's nose. So I don't know. This just feels like very incomplete. I think what turning on an event where, all right, round one is finished and DeChambeau is 17 under par. Be like, what? Like, what is this? This makes no sense yeah. to me. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. There's this. I don't have the perfect solution, but this is not the perfect solution either in my mind. No, I, I agree. You, you shouldn't manipulate the actual event itself. Golf doesn't really lend itself to... I mean, it is a handicap event for amateurs, but like you're handicapping professional events that way feels weird. It just doesn't feel right. So I, I, I get what they're trying to do. I think it's... Look, I, I applaud them for trying to improve it. I think we've all, we're all in agreement that the playoffs needs work. And it's good to know that they're actually trying stuff that's different, right? I mean, it'd be so easy for them to just say, look, it's a, it's a tournament. There's four tournaments. It's not perfect, but that's the, that's the name of the game. And unfortunately, we're not going to get imaginative and try to you know, create some sort of interesting solution. At least they're trying something that's very un-PGA Tour-like. You know, it's very inspiring that they're, that they're trying to make the TV audience more engaged. They're trying to make it more competitive for the players. 
But I agree with you. I don't think that this is the uh, the solution that that's gonna that's gonna save the day. I mean, there's a mathematical scenario here where Tony Finau, who's in third place, could come in second place at the Tour Championship and win the FedEx Cup, having not won an event all year long. That's stupid. Like yeah. that's a stupid system, and it needs to be replaced. Like the tur- the, the Tournament of Champions, I think, has a cool thing going. Like, how'd you get here? I won last year. All right, how do you get into the Tour Championship? You win during the season, period. Right, and then I don't know. It'd maybe be you cool just, like, if they did points, points for and points against. Like, if you finished worse or you missed a cut or you withdrew, those are negative points against mm-hmm. your total, right? And so that's a little more, I think, a little more better for balance. So like, yeah, if you're Finau and you haven't won, but you've played super solid, you've like, but you're Deshambo and you had sort of a rocky year and had a great finish, I think you'd be much closer, right? Uh, maybe that that's a, a way around it. I agree with you. If you if you don't win anything and you just sort of hide yourself in the points and then drift into the, uh, you know, drift into the winners or you haven't really won anything other than, you know, the spreadsheet. And I think that that's, again, anticlimactic and not a good look for the tour where it prides its or look. The only thing that matters on the PGA Tour and in golf in general is victories, right? You, win, you, you measure people's career based on the number of wins they have and the number of majors they have, not on the, the amount of money they've made or cuts they've made, etc. right? Top tens are great. But wins should matter, and you should incentivize that. So I agree with you there. It's um, you don't want to have a situation where there's just technicalities and guys winning stuff that, that feels like they they didn't deserve. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe over the winter, we've like talked about this for a year and a half now. We should like actually do the get the whiteboard, come, out. just like come to the table. Like, <laughs> here's my idea. This is just, it, and just do like your do like an agile whiteboard session. Yeah, exactly. Works for me. You'd be ready for it. That's right. All right, having um, talked about all that is wrong with it, let's preview it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Super Golf Haiku, September 17th. Sang Moon Bay is Bay. FedEx changes make no sense. 10 mil up for grabs. <laughs> it was fun reading the Sang Moon Bay article, and they were just like, Bay did X. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> like yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't read it any differently. <laughs> like, Bay when served in the South Korean military for two years. But now Bay, now Bay is back. Now Bay is back. Bay kept his card. <laughs> Bay had a good week in Boise. All right. Tour championship preview begins, as always, with Stump Mike. Everyone has a shot. One through 30. Regardless of where you are, you have a mathematical shot of winning the FedEx Cup, depending on how you do this week. Stump Mike, who is the lowest ranked guy to win? Hmm lowest ranked guy to win the FedEx Cup by which I mean like this week Patton Kazire is in 30th and so he would be ranked 30th and then win obviously though he's like 110th in the world or whatever but hmm let me think here I don't know enough of the the former champions we can't google it no I know but I (laughs) let's see who are the last five champions it's he's not one of the last five oh then I'm gonna get this wrong he's probably the most memorable because of a shot he hit on the final hole. Keegan never won it. Who was the fucking guy that won it? Out of the water. I don't remember. Bill Haas, 2011. Shot was like basically in a pond, but he could still approach it. So he, he addressed it and like got up and down and that was the win. But he was in 25th place. And so for reference, Kyle Stanley, Gig Harbor, Washington, he is in 25th. In order to win the FedEx Cup this week, he will need to win the tournament and then have Bryson come 22nd or worse and then have number two be seventh or worse and number three finish in a three-way tie. And just like a lot of like junk has to happen. So not very likely, but possible. 
Okay. Tour championships. Xander Schauffele is your defending champion. Uh, this is a breakup performance for him last year. Uh, we had the aforementioned dreaded split ceremony where Xander won the event. Uh, the very cool prize that comes with it, the the putter, um, the putter trophy. But JT won the FedEx Cup in the $10 million. I uh, beat uh, a then-relevant Jordan Spieth. It's at Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta, Georgia, where Bobby Jones uh, learned the game once upon a time. I remember asking Cullen, at what age do you think Justin Thomas could start beating you? <laughs> and we were thinking about, like, like JT made the cut one time at an event when he was 16. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like, not as good as Cullen, but, like, I bet 11-year-old JT could beat me. Fun little note, this course is famed to have hosted Bobby Jones breaking 80 as an 11-year-old. Yeah, I mean... Like, from the back. So Plus, back then, like, Jesus Christ. It, yeah. Right, with clubs he made himself <laughs> out of a, yeah. a dogwood tree God. that he cut down. Par 70, uh, par 70 uh, 7,385 yards is the annual finale, so... True golf heads only should be pretty familiar with the course. They've changed some of the routing. Uh, used to end on a par three. It now ends on a par five. Like obviously a more exciting way to finish. It's not quite as gettable a par five as you know what you get at uh, TPC Boston, where anything other than a birdie is kind of a failure. There's a little more risk reward to it. Uh, a lot of trees down the left, but if you can carry them, puts you in a good position. Uh, Hardo check. JB Holmes and Ian Poulter have been eliminated. The others remain Bub Watson, Billy Horschel, and Patrick Reed. As I mentioned, there is a scenario where everyone can win conceivably. Uh, simply put, if you're in the top five and you win, you win the Tour Championship. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, you need to play well and have the people above you basically like invert how they finish. So you would need DeChambeau to finish like in 25th and like not play well, and Rose needs to not play well, and Thomas mm -hmm. and Finau and Johnson and Keegan and Kepka. Like everyone needs to play poorly. But generally, you have someone from the top five win the thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think other than the Bill Haas mentioned, the, the, the closest anyone or the furthest down anyone has been was 11th. Jim Furyk was an 11th one year uh, and came back to win the thing. So you really have, I think, uh, a small collective of people who can win the Tour Championship uh, or win the FedEx Cup. That is Bryson DeChambeau, number one, Rose, number two, Fina, number three, Johnson, number four. JT number five, Bradley six, Kepka seven, Watson eight, Billy Horschel nine, and Cameron Smith is in 10th place. For the actual event, and again, I know it's like difficult to keep these two separated. For the actual event, I think that Justin Thomas will win. In this case, being that he's in the top five, he would then win the FedEx Cup. He has shown an ability to kind of peak uh, you know, at, at key moments. He always performs well in basically every major that's played you know, stateside plays well in just about every WGC event. Uh, you know, we've talked about the back and forth of number one. You have a belief that it's not important. I don't think I agree with that. Um, and I actually don't know if this will get him back to number one status. I don't believe it will. But I don't think for a second that a guy as competitive as JT and a guy who's, you know, trying to kind of hang himself out there as like the go-to American guy in his mm -hmm. first Ryder Cup next week. I think he knows the importance of this. And I think he also knows this year has kind of lacked a truly signature win um you know he's had some nice wins he had some nice events some nice results but this would make him the first uh repeat fedex cup champion ever and he'd only be the second multiple winner joining tiger woods so i think as much as there's a handful of people who are thinking of paris next week um and so you know this certainly matters and they're gonna go do it their best they're give it their best but you know they're just probably thinking of other stuff 
And then there are other people like Cameron Smith and Jason Day and, and Billy Horschel, who I think will play really, really well because this is their last thing of the year. It's the last thing they need to prepare for. I just, uh, I'm kind of defaulting to who I think the best player in the field is. And, and I'm adding just like a dash of who might be more motivated than anyone else. You know, but this is Bryson's first time in the limelight, really. Uh, Justin Rose, as we've talked about, is not some super assassin. Fino hasn't won all year. I, DJ would be, we, we don't get into personal lives here. I think DJ <laughs> would be forgiven for being very distracted and not giving a shit about this this week. Right. Um, you know, Bradley hadn't won in six years until last year and, and maybe kept because the only other guy who I think will kind of challenge JT here. So I'm taking JT. I know it was a long answer, um, but it really is. It is that wide open. And when a, with a field this talented and the scenarios as they are, nothing would surprise me. But it looks a line for JT to win and to repeat as FedEx Cup champion. It's a good pick. I mean, I, I think for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, I do think it's interesting that the tour championship like where where it sits in the the pantheon of golf and the tournaments that have like really achieved historical significance over the years that may not have been necessarily like majors. You obviously think of like great golf courses that and you've you've made this point a lot that for a golf tournament to be great, it needs to have the golf course uh, repeat. You have to be you have to keep going back there. You have to keep holding the event there so that both the fans and the players get familiar with it. And I guess my question to you is, do you feel like this event has reached that level? I know they threw a ton of money at it. They've manufactured themselves this, you know, a, a major. It's not really a major, but they certainly have put a ton of money and time and effort into making it everything a major is, just minus the the feel of it, right? The the significance of it. I mean, do you think that East Lake one and the Tour Championship two uh, work well enough that these players look at it in high in, in a high enough esteem that it that it kind of hits on the same level as some of those bigger events of the year uh no i think that the 10 million dollars of 2007 is different than 10 million dollars in 2018 uh especially when you're talking about you know nike gives rory mcelroy like 25 million dollars a year to wear shirts so i just I, I wonder if they need to add more juice to it just add more add some more dough to it and yeah. I know it's like an obscene amount of money but like it's just not as obscene as it used to be there's also when we think about so there's course repeatability, which is good. And I actually really liked that it used to end on a par three because I think yeah, there's danger on a par three. And it was like a long ass par three. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird green. Um, you know, there was a lot to it. I, I kinda like the way it was, but like fine, people smarter than me have, have changed the the routing. I, I truly think though, when you think about like the greatest moments in sports, and you know, and you can whittle this down to golf if you want, but I think just generally the the crowd plays such a role in the creation of a moment and just the crowd at Eastlake is not top notch. I think you have a population of folks down there who have, and this is part of why they're moving, you know, everything around next year. You have a group of people in Georgia who've moved on to the Atlanta Falcons and the Georgia Bulldogs. They just have, mm-hmm. and this just isn't that important except for the true diehards. And even with that, when you have kind of just 30 players and you have 15 groups going off, it's just very hard to to build a an event with you know the hundreds of thousands of people that you would want at you know an event of this magnitude. So I like I don't I don't think it's anyone's fault, and I'm not sure that it's like the people of Georgia's fault that that this hasn't been as fun as we'd like it. But I think that they're again like just kind of restating some of the stuff. I think there just needs to be a way to make it a more boots on the ground fun event. And, mm-hmm. you know, exciting event 
And then the consequence that plays out on TV needs to be like obvious and real and known to everyone and not some, you know, BCS scoring system that, uh, you know, is tough to keep up with and is changing every second with every with every ball hit, you know, mm-hmm. on a different tee. So, yeah, I, I think it's it is a. Uh, failed to deliver on the let's create this like lasting memorable thing i don't know i mean as much as you and i care about this like you know i don't think we i don't think we can remember like it's weird because champions of all that long ago because it just is there's no like memory of it like i remember bill haas's shot and i remember billy horschel doing the gator chomp because like he did it in georgia country but that's like all I remember from the actual but like what about, finish of an event. Right. So what so what's the difference here between this event and the players championship, right? Because the players is memorable to me. The players matters to me. The players Huge is crowds, something that Sick Island Green. Right. Everyone, and so is yeah. it, I guess it is the combination of those things, but the players has moved around in in the calendar. It's it's not necessarily, you know, a hotbed of of I guess it is for golf, but I don't know the like surrounding area is going to produce like wild fans. People travel to that event to go to it. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think TPC is an incredible golf course, and but it's not like East Lake isn't a dramatic golf course and isn't a great golf course. It has the history, it has the background, it has the um, you know the pedigree. But this tournament should matter more because it determines the you know the the. The, the champion of the FedEx Cup. It's $10 million. You know, you're right. It's not the same as it was, you know, years ago, but still a lot of money. And, you know, it should it should be the sort of the best player wins this event. The best player wins the FedEx Cup. And yet it's sort of looked at, I think, as, you know, if, if the fifth major is the is the players, this is it's certainly the sixth and it's probably not the most. I mean, there's there's, there's other cooler events out there, in my opinion. So I don't know what they need to do. Uh, maybe it's to your point the the weirdness of the of the playoffs and the format, and that just confuses people. Maybe it is the fact that it competes with college football and the NFL. They're going to move that. You know, they're going to move it up next year, so that that should help a little bit in that regard. But and maybe it is people are just sort of tired at this point. You know, the majors are over. The season's pretty much over. It's it doesn't have the <laughs> the the fun factor that the Ryder Cup or the Presidents Cup has. It's just weird that it sits here and still doesn't feel like, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm getting super amped up for this event the way I do others. I totally agree. And I think part of this too comes in, <clears throat> excuse me, the folks who have won it. The list is Tiger, VJ, Tiger, Furick, Bill Haas, Brant Snedeker, Henrik Stenson, Horschel, and then only recently have you had a run of, you know, Spieth, Rory, and JT, kind of like. It's still a pretty good list of champions, right? Uh, it is, but like, I think you said it really well pretty good you know i don't think i don't think i don't think jim i don't think jim furick 2010 or bill haas 2011 or brant seneca 2012 like did much to to move the needle i think you know march madness benefits from Mm -hmm. from the blue bloods you know going and and getting it done and and that's not really what you got at the off center what if they dropped east lake and made the players the end of the playoffs so that was the that to me would be really cool. So I got the vibe that like this is where you were going. Kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to like hammer Eastlake, but I just don't know a ton about it. Like, I don't know how much I, I like, care. Um, it, it's it's there the last tournament every year, but it's, it's not memorable. Right. Um, you it's know, not. Georgia provides us with one memorable, huge golf event much <laughs> earlier in the year. 
and this one doesn't like I don't I don't know where it would go I mean you could have it I don't know I always come back to you know you could drop it in uh like keep it in the northeast markets do it in do it in New York or something um do it at Liberty you know I, I don't know you can still work your way south right you could start up here work your way down you drop one of the events right and you make East Lake the third of the playoffs and then you end at TPC Sawgrass for the Players Championship, which is the final event of the FedEx Cup playoffs, and chaos ensues. You could do that, but I think you could also keep the players and keep everything as it is. Just hold the final again. Yep. At, yeah, and just make there be three uh, FedEx Cup playoff events. You could do, you know, one in Chicago, uh, yeah, one in Philly, you know, one in New I York guess or Boston. Boston. Boston's yeah. in or out. But even if you just say, all right, sorry, New England, like it's not going to happen. New York. And, and yeah. it's at yeah, some dope place in New York. Yep. And may, maybe just make it Liberty just so like for the visual. The visual is really all cool. All right, there's $10 million on the line. Beth as Page like, will get the open. It'll get a Ryder Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe that's it. And like I, you know, you don't want to like penalize Atlanta here. But I just I think that for them, the excitement factor is like if you're a golf nerd and you're from there you find a way to get tickets to the masters. And then by September, you've probably mentally moved on because there hasn't been a tournament in that like region of the country yeah. since June, right? Everything's been sent up North now. Mm -hmm. Cause it's been so hot. So they've just kind of like that part of it's over for them. Like they, the Southeast hosts golf February, March and April and maybe into May. Yeah. And then it's just kind of for everyone else. I don't know. It's just uh, it's just a weird, yeah. I mean, I, the lack of answers, I think, is kind of reflective of the lack of like a not clearly understood problem. Like, I don't know why this isn't working, but it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to my pick this week, uh, it should be should be an exciting event still. I, I do think the field is is one of the best ones we've had. A lot of these guys in the top, I think it's the top five guys can all win uh, of the top five guys. So it's Bryson, Justin Rose, Finau, DJ and Justin Thomas. Um I obviously like uh, the way Finau is playing. I think he's, but I think his his mind is focused on the Ryder Cup, and he's going to play well. But I think he's really focused on that, and and for a lot of the reasons we've mentioned, probably not super geared up here. But so so the guy that I really think is going to win this week is you know the one of my robot guys, which is Justin Rose. He is playing incredibly well. Um, obviously, if he wins this event, he wins the FedEx Cup. And I think if he has a top three finish, he also wins the FedEx Cup. So so um, there's there's sort of a lot on the line for him to really compete. Well, depending on who else around him performs well. Uh, right, right, right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Bryson can't finish in uh, in second, obviously. I think Bryson Finau and DJ can all finish in second, a three-way tie. And I think I think Rose will win. I, we'll have to get the uh, the research department on that. But I like Justin Rose. I just think this golf course, again, it's not super memorable, but it is long and um, is definitely going to reward the accurate player that can that can keep it sort of out there, reducing that uh, you know distance into the green. Rose is playing as well as anybody. I mean, he's number two in the points, right behind Bryson. Um, and, and barring Bryson's you know unbelievable play in the playoffs here, Rose is probably your number one guy. So I think Rose is going to uh, roll on to victory here and win the FedEx Cup. Um, Although I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, see your boy JT play well this week too. Yeah, it's, it's tough for me to knock your pick after I took Justin Thomas, but you've now taken Justin Rose in three of the last four weeks. But worked yeah, out for me I mean, one time. Sure, I mean it's the. Uh, but for those reasons, I think I just think this the format here just just rewards steady slow play, and it's hard to have a it's hard to put 
you know, your finger on why the flair for the dramatic doesn't work as well here. It has produced a decently diverse, you know, group of champions as you just went through. But I don't know. I just I have a feeling about Rose. I think he's just super solid. And with the points advantage in, in particular, steady play is going to you know, be the target for a lot of these guys. Yeah, and he... Um, like Shambo's not playing to win one tournament. He's playing to win $10 million. And if he finishes in the top five or top six, he has a pretty good chance of winning that $10 million. So to me, I well, think not that... not if someone else wins. Like, correct. You got to win this thing. But you got to get yourself in contention. So taking yourself out of contention early by playing risky or playing a little bit, bit aggressive, it's a little different when you have that pad in there from a points perspective. And I think that just changes things a little bit in the mentality of these guys. So a guy like Rose, who just does that all the time, it's more, I think, more his environment and, and one that I think leads to maybe a reduction in pressure or whatever it is. But a guy like Bryson, who's more of a field player, Finau is more of an explosive player, DJ, Justin Thomas, who can be streaky at times. Like, I just think of those five guys, Rose is the steadiest of all of them. And as a result, you know, should perform better in an event that really rewards that versus, you know, your standard major where it's just, look, we all put the ball on the ground and, and, uh, and go hit it. And you have four rounds to sort of, make your name in, in history and, and no one gives a shit if you finish fifth or fourth or third because only people care about you know major champions this one's different because you can win it can matter a lot if you're top three or top you mm-hmm. know five yeah so, and as we've been talking about kind of it's it should be more exciting than it is it is actually a pretty similar vibe i feel to the olympics which justin rose won the gold medal for but everyone was saying oh this is like stupid and it doesn't matter and and what have right. you. So he's able to kind of create his own narrative of, of what's important, what needs to, you know, command his full attention and all that. So, okay. Don't hate Justin Rose. Um, DFL is me, Pat and Kazire. Um, I don't want to pick on the guy, but like he's just, he's clearly the least, he's the worst player in the field. Uh, he just is. I'm sorry, Patton, but you are to kind of branch out slightly beyond him. Gary Woodland, I don't expect to do terribly well either. I feel like he is only here because he had two very good tournaments all year. He won, obviously, the waste management. I think he had he had a second somewhere else that I, I can't quite recall. Um, and research paper didn't put in front of me. But he he had a very, like, two excellent weeks is why he's here. Um, this will also be, you think about all the other players that are here. Um, they've all played in some form of big stage before. Um, yeah. You know, they've either won a major, won a huge tournament this year, or, um, and not like the waste management isn't, but like they, they've done, they, they're more accustomed to this than I think a guy like Gary Woodland is, who I think he might be on the range warming up and being like, yeah, I'm like <laughs> I don't belong with this group of people. You know, yeah. half these people are going to split a jet and go play in the Ryder Cup, and I'm like, was never in the discussion for that. Yeah. Um, so I will take Pat Kazire's DFL, but for the sake of the narrative, wanted to talk about Gary Woodland. No, it's a good, good point. I mean, same reasons. I'm, I'm picking Leishman. Um, he's, you know, obviously toward the bottom there in the uh, in the points. He's not won anything this year. His best finish was uh, second at the Byron Nelson and the second at the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. Uh, and he only had one other top 10. So uh, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, look, you, you can catch fire at any point. There's no reason why Mark can't play well this week. But I just, I don't know. He's 100 and what, 120th strokes gained off the tee. And uh, sorry. Yeah, 113th strokes game off the tee. So <laughs> a long golf course, big par 70 like this, just not, I, I don't see him making a ton of birdies out there and going low, which is what you got to do. So he's DFL for me. Funny what a year old do to you. I mean, a year ago, he was, I think, in the top five going into East Lake. Um, went to the Presence Cup, did absolutely nothing, and kind of had a mediocre season. So Mark Leishman, that's, a, that's as bold, a, that's as big a name as we've thrown in DFL. 
again, I mean, is there a harder tournament to pick DFL in than this one? I mean, these guys are no. all total studs, so. We're going to pick a DFL point total for the Ryder Cup. That'll be that'll be a lot more fun. That will be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, we'll do that next week. That's but this, right. This week, we'll watch the Tour Championship. We'll, you know, get pumped for it. I think for all the, bol- the bitching about it that we do, honestly, and not to like go in circles here, but I think this is like, a, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Like, I do watch yeah. this. Th- I do watch this, and I do get entertained. And occasionally, we get really good stuff where, like, Rory McIlroy went to that playoff with Ryan Moore and it was it was just an awesome thing and it's exciting and like that's a signature moment you know Rory makes that putt and does this like huge like fist pump thing he just picked up like 13 million dollars on this putt I, I just want this to be every year like this is the last event of the year it's the last event of the playoffs yeah. I should be like clearing my schedule pre-wiring people that like hey at this wedding on Saturday I'm gonna like be by the bar um, as opposed, no, so as opposed yeah. to like, eh, I suppose I'll check in on Sunday and see where we're at. I'll check my phone twice today at work. Yeah. No, it's um, true. So I, 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 think... I want it to be, I want it to be more. So it is fun. It is entertaining. I will be watching. I just wish that I were like, you know, pounding the table in anticipation for this thing, right. as opposed to saying, yeah, let's like kind of just get through this week. Cause then like Ryder cup, Ryder cup, Ryder cup. No, it's true. And I think again, too, this is not the end of the golf season because we have the Ryder Cup and it's such a cooler event than this is that I think it kind of again hurts it even more. It's one thing to be fired up for the last event of the year and look after this it's the silly season and you know TBD if there's any real meaningful golf until you know until December right when the thing resets but I think if we if we you look at the fact that the Ryder Cup's here you're looking at your favorite players seeing how they're going to play may in fact you know maybe some bets are going to place next week but it's uh, it's just not. It doesn't have the um, you know, the must-watch quality as you mentioned that makes all the other big events so much fun to watch. So we'll see. I think you know. Look, they're moving it up. They're changing, the, moving the calendar up a little bit. That should help. I think they're going to tweak the points. Who knows where they're going to land on that? We'll see later this week. Hopefully, it, it it's for the best. This event deserves to be fun to watch. It deserves to be exciting and cool. People should care about it. I think they're going to get there eventually. Hopefully that's sooner than later. Here, here. So the tour championship is upon us. 30 of the tour's best players will descend on East Lake Golf Club in Atlanta, Georgia, battle it out for the tour championship and the FedEx Cup. Should be a lot of fun, Matt. It should. Uh, as much as like we just said, we kind of goofed on this and we want more out of it. It's still exciting. There's still a lot on the line. Um, and, you know, we'll get to get a, a quick little glimpse of how are people you know, rounding into form, heading into France next week? So a lot to focus on this week, and then obviously a lot to focus on next week when we're back here to preview the Ryder Cup for the first time. For the for first the time. Shot. That's right. We'll be back next week with a full breakdown of both the Tour Championship and the preview of the Ryder Cup in France. It's a good time to be a golf fan. No better time. For the Alternate Shot Podcast, I'm Mike. I'm Matt. And we will see you guys next week.